All right. Howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is your host, Zeb, as always. And I might sound like I have a little bit more energy than usual because just last Thursday, my girlfriend and I got a gym membership. So now I'm going to record these after going to the gym. So I might sound more lively and, and feeling good. Anyway, this episode is season two, episode 10 of the Huda Thunkin' podcast. And it's going to be about helmet graffiti during the Vietnam War. And I, as always, since this season two has been going on, there's accompanying blog posts with visual aids, links to my sources, videos, good stuff like that. Now, I've started to do, not maybe not every episode, I think I forgot last episode, but I want to do a recommendation segment in the beginning where I just talk about, unrelated to the actual episode topic, I just recommend a Netflix show or a book or a movie, something like that. And this week's recommendation, weekly recommendation, um, I just started digging into the Jack Reacher book series written by Lee Childs. I watched the Tom Cruise movies that started to come out in 2012 and thought they were okay movies, pretty cool scenes. You know, Tom Cruise is awesome, um, at least as an actor. I do think his he dedicates himself to his, his art. But the books are even cooler. Plus, there are a ton of Jack Reacher novels and novellas, like tons. They've been... Lee Child's been cranking them out since like the 90s, maybe even 80s. I don't know. So if you're like me and you have tons of free time on your hands, having more things to binge, more audiobooks to binge is is a definite plus. The cool thing about Jack Reacher's series or the way Lee Child writes, breaking the mold of what a writer should write in a novel. Lee Child often writes, Reacher said nothing. That's quote, Reacher said nothing. So in his books, that's what he writes. Where most authors would write, you know, Reacher clenched his fist in anger or Reacher let out a clever smirk. You know, he still doesn't say anything, but the author gives away, describes what the character's reaction is so you have a better idea who the character is. But Lee Childs just writes, Reacher said nothing. Why does he do that and what's going on? Uh, Well, he writes Reacher in this way so that the reader can project whatever reaction they see fit for Jack Reacher. So the character becomes what the reader's imagination wants him to be which allows him to be a character that can just be rewritten into so many different stories over and over and over he's not a brittle character he sort of flows it's a style that really shouldn't work like if i were to try to write a story and the character just reaction was blank so that you could fill in the box that wouldn't work people would not buy that series but for whatever reason lee childs writes it so that it works and his character's been in stories for decades now really cool book series check them out um i listen to audiobooks on libby it's like a library app completely free you just check out books like you would at a library no cost to you it's amazing anyway now into the actual topic about the helmet graffiti during the vietnam war the first part i want to talk about government property now a personal story to break it in the this past sunday i played a friendly poker game with a couple college buddies and my soon-to-be father-in-law yep side note I am now engaged to be married to my lovely fiance Shannon. Anyway, in between hands of poker, me and all my buddies and the, my future father-in-law started, we're drinking brewskis and we're drinking whiskey. So, you know, there was some machismo banter going around the poker table. At one point, my fiance's dad said, you know what happens if you get sunburned in the Navy while on duty? We all looked at him blankly. He just said, you get court-martialed for destruction of government property. And, you know, he doesn't have that accent. I don't know where that came from. But I looked at him and thought, do you really get in trouble for court martial for destruction of property? I looked it up. Turns out, not really. I'm sure soldiers have been threatened in this manner. Um, it would 
but it wouldn't really hold up a military court. Threatening soldiers with legal repercussions if they get sunburned is nothing more than a scare tactic used by NCOs. And I got a quote here. You are not government property, said James Klamaski, a civilian attorney who practices military law. You are still a human being. You still have free will, even in the military. That's an interview from Stripes.com. However, Article 15, that's damaging government property, is a real offense. In this episode of Who to Thunk It, I'll be taking, I'll be talking about a very public defacing of government property that occurred back in the 60s and 70s. This episode is about helmet graffiti during the Vietnam War. And we've got a, 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 on the accompanying blog post tons of pictures of the actual graffiti and it's really cool stuff. I suggest you check it out. Link will be in the blog or in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening to it from. So it is common misconception that in order for a team or a group of people to operate as a cohesive unit, they must be uni- there must be uniformity throughout. For example, my high school football coaches forbid us from having any article of clothing out of the ordinary and punish players for wearing their socks too high or too low on their uniforms during game day. But that I always thought that was ridiculous. Psychology now suggests that too much uniformity is actually detrimental to a team's ability to perform and that diversification, allowing people to express themselves, sort of allows for a mixed bag of, of you know, better teamwork. So, but now most modern militaries side with the whole discipline and uniformity train of thought. They make their soldiers wear uniforms that all look the same and strictly forbid them from altering their uniforms. The Vietnam War is really the first time soldiers were documented putting graffiti on their helmets. Of course, this was technically not allowed as it is defacing government property, not to mention the camo on modern military uniforms is there for a reason, that that being to help soldiers blend into their surroundings. Altering that camo increases a soldier's likelihood of being spotted by the enemy. So why did the soldiers do it? Why did they put their lives at risk and break um, the rules? possibly getting in trouble. Well, war is hell. In 1879, the American Civil War General William Tecumseh Sherman addressed the graduating class of the Michigan Military Academy with the following speech, and I love this speech. I've been where you are now, and I know just how you feel. It's entirely natural that there should be and there should be there should beat in the breast of every one of you a hope and desire that someday you can use the skill that you have acquired here. Suppress it. You don't know the horrible aspects of war. I've been through two wars, and I know. I've seen cities and homes in ashes. I've seen thousands of men lying on the ground, their dead faces looking up at the skies. I tell you, war is hell. So that's a Civil War general telling graduating class from a military academy, hey, I know you want to go to war, but you don't. War is hell. It seems the men who fought in Vietnam War shared a similar mentality as General Sherman. The Vietnam War was notoriously gruesome. I mean, a lot of people have heard about it if you're from America and all over the world. The Americans were a large military force in a country on the other side of the world fighting in a war they didn't want to be in. Drafted soldiers made up 25% of the American soldiers in Vietnam. The terrain made tanks useless and strategic bombing ineffective. The U.S. soldiers, although backed by a technologically superior world superpower, had to resort to gritty guerrilla warfare that they were not prepared for during training. The collective psyche of the troops sort of shed the rigidness of their military training and discipline. They started to break the rules and rebel. The military, as far as as corrective repercussions from their superiors 
when they did things like defacing their helmets was, what are they going to do to punish me? Are they going to send me to Vietnam? I'm already here, you know? They're already in the worst of it. And then you have individuals. The helmet graffiti allowed the troops to take back some semblance of individual self through this unique expression. After all, America's society does value the individual much more than Asian cultures that typically value the group and see themselves as one part of a whole. Putting graffiti was a form of rebellion against the war. They wrote anti-war things like Born to Die and I'm Not a Tourist, I Live Here. And of course, where is Lee Harvey Oswald now that we really need him? If you understand history, that's quite the statement. Personally, I equate this helmet graffiti to rebellious and often lewd cartoons and doodles my elementary school buddies and I drew. We vandalized our school books in a very similar fashion. Of course, we hadn't been subjected to the horrors of war, so there was that major difference. But the crude style and sense of humor of the Vietnam War helmet graffiti, to me, is very much like the doodlings of boys going through pubescence. Perhaps that is because, like boys going through the existential transformation of puberty, these Vietnam soldiers were men going through an existential transformation into something entirely different from men. Perhaps the crucible of warfare changed them, and this helmet graffiti was a way to express that. And that's not a... that's just my opinion. I didn't research that. That is simply my opinion. But just my thought I had on the matter. But... How was this all seen by the public? The commanding officers tried their best to keep this crude helmet graffiti out of the public eye as a majority of it was anti-war. With all the protests back in the States during the Vietnam times, if, like again, if you know history, it was a very, a lot of turmoil going on back in the United States at the time, kind of similar to how it was in 2020 with all these riots and stuff. The American military industrial complex was losing favor from its public as well right now. So the, the commanding officers didn't want, you know, press going back and feeding the fuel that was feeding the side back home that was basically against the military. Vietnam had a lot of journalists covering the carnage. Whenever one was spotted, officers attempted to keep all the helmet graffiti away from the cameras. But as all the images on the blog on this blog post will attest to, they were not very successful. <laughs> they got a lot of pictures out. Uh, journalist Horst Fass, that's F-A-A-S, his last name, took a photograph of a 19-year-old Larry Wayne Chaffin of the 173rd Airborne Brigade. The headband on Chaffin's helmet read, War is Hell, and Horst Fass would go on to win a Pulitzer Prize, probably for this picture. It's a very amazing picture. Check out the blog post, or just Google Vietnam War, War is Hell. It's a wonderful photo. The 19-year-old Chaffin is like baby faced and he's got a bit of a smile you know he's got hope in his eyes but you can tell by the look of his uniform and what he wrote on his helmet headband he's seen some stuff he's just putting on a face so now today although it although it was almost unheard of before the vietnam war soldiers are still caught putting graffiti on their helmets today um perhaps the soldiers of today also feel they don't belong at war Maybe that makes sense in a world that has progressively been trending towards peace for centuries. And this is just a thought. I I thought this is an interesting blog post to do or uh, uh, podcast to do because I just watched a three minute video on, on YouTube about Vietnam War graffiti, helmet graffiti, and I never thought of it before. But it was a transformative thing and it's something unique came out of military because you don't deface your uniform. You try to look like your other people. That's just makes sense to me. But and I knew Vietnam soldiers did put graffiti on their uniforms. It just never occurred to me. Maybe it was for a good reason, you know? It was 
a lot of stuff was going on in the world. A lot of stuff was going on in the head of these soldiers. Anyway, thanks for listening, Who to Thunkers. I try to post these every Thursday, but I just forgot last Thursday, so I put it on Friday morning. Uh, hope you don't mind. Hope it didn't dis- you know disrupt your feng shui. Hope you didn't move on to a different podcast. Keep listening. We have over 10,000 listens now, um, and 42 different countries have listened to this podcast. Amazing, amazing milestone for me personally. Those aren't very uh, impressive podcast numbers for most people, but... I think it's amazing. Over 10,000 listens, 42 countries. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Hooter Thunkers. Until next week, catch you later.